It's time to get up, get motivated, and start making moves for yourself instead of working to make someone else rich. These are genuine experiences and the stories of real entrepreneurs that made the ultimate decision to live for themselves in order to achieve unbelievable results. You're listening to The Time Is Now, making your business personal. Now here's your host, Kent Clothier. Hey everybody, welcome, 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 welcome to the Time Is Now podcast. I am your faithful host, Kent Clothier. Glad you made it here today. I've got a hell of a show lined up here for you. I've got a very, very good friend of mine, a mentor, uh, a business partner, an owner in, in several of my companies, an advisor. I mean, this guy kind of does it all. Somebody I have a great deal of respect for, and I'm excited to share with you because the guy's kind of got it all. Roland, you there, brother? I'm here. All right, man. So let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna attempt to do a little bit of an introduction. But this is probably one of the the most slippery guys out there when it comes to trying to put him into a box and say this is what Roland Frazier is. But I'm gonna do my best. The bottom line is the guy is, you know, the way I ex- explain it to people is, anytime I'm in the room with Roland, Roland is inevitably the smartest guy in the room, and that's the probably the highest compliment I can give him. I and mean, the guy's just got an amazing knowledge of so many things as it relates to business and as it relates to you know how to start businesses how to bring products to market how to do real estate deals how to legally set up uh, different entities how to be an investor how to raise money raise capital you know then you know he's a world traveler he's got an amazing marriage he's got yeah um, amazing knowledge of of these great experiences to to enjoy when it comes to traveling and wine and hotels. And I mean, the guy's just a very, very well-rounded guy. And he's a guy that I listen to each and every day. So I'm excited that you're here, brother. I'm excited that we can kind of just sit here and chat for a little bit. I want you to kind of share some of the stuff that, that you sh- have shared with me over the years and people will quickly understand why it is that I turn to you as often as I, as I, as I, as I do. So is that cool? Awesome, man. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, I don't know if I can ever live up to that uh, reputation. Now I am. I'm. That's like the Titanic of introductions, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So everything from this point is going to be a letdown. So just let right, everybody know. Right. Yeah, I, I think our best bet is just to end the interview now and uh, and you know let exactly. them you know think of how good it could have been. Exactly. So to contact Roland, just look him up online. Peace. See ya. Drop the mic. <laughs> I love it. So. Dude, you've got a new a new book. I know you're you're looking to release, and I think it really kind of plays well with exactly what um, what the point of the podcast is, right? So we're, as you know, we spend a lot of time together, we're really close friends. That um, my whole motto is the time is now. And I know it's a common thread with both of us that you know you got to live in the moment, you got to soak up what you can, you got to get out there and and take life by by the reins and and do whatever you can with it. Talk talk to us about your book and and because I know it kind of follows a little bit of that same theme here. T- tell us where you're going with it. Yeah, it's just uh, the it's it, it is the the time is now is definitely uh, my philosophy as well. It's is there's a lot of uh, I think misinformation about or misunderstanding about how you're supposed to ha- it's it's deferred gratification, right? You're supposed to wait until you've earned this this retirement to, to live your bucket list, right. To do all the things that you want to do. And, um, so, so you have to wait, you, you, you need to work, you need to put in the hours, you need to pay your dues, and then you'll get to do the things that you want to do. 
and I, I think that's just so um, it, it cheats you out of so much of life that you really can do everything that you want to do now. And the key to doing it is knowing how to be smart about what you choose to do with your time and where you choose to put your efforts and your focus. So the title, which hasn't been finalized right now, you know, is um, to work less, make more, and live your bucket list now. So that's that's my concept, and that's my lifestyle, and I know it's yours as well. Yeah, so talk to – so, you know, as a brand-new entrepreneur, let's just start here because there, there's there's really – there's several categories here, but let's talk about the brand new entrepreneur and then we'll talk about kind of the seasoned pro that, but the brand new entrepreneur, they, they get, um, to your point, they have this deferred thing that they're doing where they, they don't, they, they get out there and they start chasing money, right? They're getting in the transaction business. They, they have all these obstacles that they're putting up in front of them about, I have to do this. I have to do, do that before I can even get going. Talk a little bit about that in your experience. What, um, what's the easiest way? If you were going to sit down with somebody that is starting a new business, what, what would be your advice to them right now? So I'll, I'll, I'll give you my advice right now, and then I'll tell you a little bit of background that I think gives me some unique perspective. So my advice right now is whatever the thing is that you are going to do for other people that they will pay you money for, go do that right now. There's nothing that you need to do that is more important than confirming that whatever it is that you're going to offer to sell people in terms of a product or whatever service you are going to provide for people as a service provider, the most important thing is to know that people will actually buy it or want it and give you money for it and that you can do what you plan to do to get money. That's, that's it. That, to me, that's the, the most essential thing to start with. Done, done is better than perfect, right? I mean, and instead of thinking of all the reasons why and all the obstacles, just get in yep. the damn game. Yeah. And now, now my perspective is unique because I practiced, I practiced law for 13 years and uh, I have a background as an accountant before that, you know, I, I was trained as an accountant before then. And so I, I was grounded in the thing that people hear from attorneys and business advisors and accountants and lots of their friends and family, which is, well, the first thing you need to do if you want to go into business, is you got to form a corporation or an LLC. And then the next thing you need to do is you need to put your business identity package together. You need to have a logo and, you know, figure out what's going to be on your stationery. And then you're going to need a website and you're going to, need, you know, and, and that list of, of stuff stops so many people from ever getting started because they ha- they're, they're spending all their time doing all these things that they're told, and it's not their fault even, right? They're told by people that they believe have more experience and training than, than they do that these are the things they need to do. But you got you to gotta think about it this way. As an attorney, uh, you're, the attorneys, most attorneys are not business people. They're, they get degrees in English and political science, and then they go to law school where they're told what the laws are. And then they're practicing law, and that's who your business attorney is. Your business attorney is very infrequently the person who's actually gone out and created a business successfully. So they know what they've been told you should do, and they know that if you don't do those things, there are some bad things that can happen down the road. But the, the challenge is, is I see so many people take, take their time and effort and spend doing those things and not do the product 
and then they've spent all their money on those things or they've spent their time or it takes too long to get started and then they do their product finally and nobody wants it right right Right. And, and so then all that time is wasted. And no matter how much I've told so many people that I can't tell you how many people, the majority for sure go on anyway and do all that stuff and never end up doing anything. So that's to me, the first step is like, if you're going to do anything to make money, then go verify that somebody is willing to give you money before you do anything else. Well, I also think there's a certain segment of people where there's a, they, they confuse activity with productivity, right? I mean, it's the, I I feel like I'm creating the business by going through these things that you and I both know um, are not the revenue generating activities that they should be focused on. Right. So they end up spinning around and around and around and around only to have never done anything that actually created any revenue because they've been conned into believing that's the same thing. And it's just not. Yeah, exactly. And that's the same thing with respect to courses and training and everything else. It's, it's the, uh, the flurry of doing the easy things to avoid doing the hard thing is, uh, and the hard thing is being sure other people will pay you money for whatever it is you do. So, it's, it's easy to do those things and feel good about yourself, but it's really not accomplishing anything. Yeah. Oh, I got my logo. I got my LLC. I've got my business license. I've got my bylaws. I've got my operating agreement. And I've never done one thing that would make any of that stuff relevant. I mean, and that's, uh, to your point, it's the norm, not the exception, unfortunately. And it, and it ends up squashing so many people's dreams. I mean, yes. it's just crazy what that does to people. Now, then you've got the other side of it as well. Uh, the, the, the people that have, that have, you know, been in business, they know what's going on. They've, they've figured out how to generate revenue, but they have not figured out how to actually enjoy it. They've designed a business that they have suddenly become a slave to. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the other side of this. Yeah. Yeah. And And it's, to me, that's why it's so critical to look, look at whatever it is that you're going to do and, and be sure that it's something that you want to do. Now, that's different, I think, because I was always told, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I believe that's true. And a lot of people are like, well, yeah, that's cool, but I can't do what I love because I've got to pay the bills and I pay the bills by doing this thing that I do not love. So I'm kind of screwed. And and the answer there is that as long as you as long as you're thinking about how to get to the thing that you like, you, you can you can make it happen. Right. So. I'll give you two two examples from when I first started working long, long ago. Uh, my first job was working as a quote-unquote assistant pro at a tennis uh, facility. And what assistant pro I thought meant was that I get to play tennis all day. But what assistant pro really meant was that you sweep the courts and clean up all the crap and do everything <laughs> nobody else wants to do. So, so the first thing is, Know that the job title might not be, (laughs) your idea might not be exactly what it is. So I'm doing that, and I hate, 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 hated uh, sweeping the courts because I had one of those those brush sweeper things that has the bar on the bottom, and you push it, and it doesn't really do that great a job and leave stuff behind, and then the wind blows and blows everything back. So what I did, though, was I was like, um, I really hate this, so I need to find a way to get it done faster. So I ended up going to the, uh, the pro and said, Hey, you know, they have these things called leaf blowers that I could go rent. And that was, you know, you see them all the time now, but you didn't really see them that much back then. And, uh, so I, I'd like to go rent one 
um, will you, will the court pay for it so that I can, you know, so I can do this and then I can do my job a whole lot better. And they were like, no. And I said, okay. So I just went and did it with my own money. And then I, my job was done about 60% faster. And then I had time to hit tennis balls until they got mad at me for hitting tennis balls when I was supposed to be finding something else to do and, uh, and let me go. But, but, um, it, uh, the thing is, is that even within that job that I did not like, I, I mean, it, I didn't not like the whole job, but I definitely didn't like sweeping the courts. There was a way to design within the constraints of what I had, even though my employer wouldn't support it, there was a way to get rid of that thing I didn't like. I just had to make the decision to, you know, to be willing to pay yeah, for it. I think that's a great lesson. I think that's a good yeah. one. And it's the same thing. The same thing happened to me in my second job, which was uh, acting as a runner for a law firm where you, uh, uh, they, law firms have these guys they call runners who basically take important documents back and forth to banks and other attorneys and things like that, that need to happen super fast. Right. So I, I would go in and, uh, and they would say, okay, this thing needs to go over to this bank across town. And I go and I would do that. And then I'd come back and they said, this thing needs to go to this law office. And, Pretty soon I realized that it was incredibly inefficient that like if they just planned out what, what route you could take to deliver everything in one fell swoop, you'd be done a whole lot faster. And, uh, and uh, I asked them about it and they're were, they were like, well, we never know what's going to happen and, you know, and the other attorneys are going to do and all that kind of stuff. So it's not really, there's not really any way to accomplish that. And I was like, okay. So then I went to each of the legal secretaries and paralegals every morning and said, will you just tell me everything that you think is going out today and where it's going. And then I'd write it all down and I would build a route and I would wait until the, uh, till about 1030 for my first run. And I'd get everything from everybody that was going out. And then I'd go and go boom, 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 knock it all out and, and be back and have a whole lot of spare time. Right. Or what I learned ultimately was that I should probably not come back because they would find more stuff for me to do. So I ended up going around and, and, and doing this stuff. And then I'm, I'm like, okay, well, what's the, this is still kind of inefficient. Cause when I go to each of these places, I have to go and I have to find parking and it's downtown and it's really hard. And then I have to park, you know, blocks and blocks away and pay money to do that and everything. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to start parking in alleyways and I'm not going to do it. Cause I'm only in and out in about 10 minutes. So I started doing that. And during my whole time doing that, I got only three parking tickets and saved so much time and money that you wouldn't believe. So it's like, it's again, a doing business, at, right? yeah, exactly. And I did that out of my, you know, I didn't ask them to reimburse me for the parking or any of that kind of stuff. So it's, it's to me just, and I also saved a hell of a lot of money on gas. So um, in, in those are situations where I think you can, I can safely say I had the least amount of leverage and the least amount of control possible because I'm just a, the lowest of lowest level employee. And so even in that situation, you can find that leverage. And I think that's, that's true as you go through any level of whatever you're doing. So if you're, you're in a job that you don't like right now, but you see real estate investing or something else as a way to get free of that, then you need to just kind of take a moment to plan the route, right? Just like I planned the route. You need to take a moment to go rent the leaf blower. What is it that you can do to make that happen? And what's cool is like my son just got into business and I, he knows those stories and he did a Kickstarter with a YouTube guy and a, well, actually a couple of YouTube guys. And, um, he was doing his, his sweat equity in the deal was, uh, to do all of the tech stuff and customer service and everything. 
Well, he found out pretty quickly that he didn't like dealing with customer service because people are complaining and stuff like that. And so he just hired another friend of his who didn't have a job and wasn't making any money to do the customer service and paid them out of his own money. Now he doesn't have to do that thing that he doesn't like doing. And it's freed up his time to do more of what he does like doing and get more deals. So I just like, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're at all saying that's easy to say because you don't work for anybody now, it's absolutely applicable all across any situation. It's the single, I mean, the value in what you're saying right there is off the charts, right? Because it is the lesson, especially if you're trying to take it, if you're trying to go from being a hustler, you know, and think about yeah. both of your examples, right? You're, it's you having to do it. You are trading dollars for hours, period. But you're, but it is so applicable in business because if you want to t- get, actually turn anything into a business, you have to get comfortable with putting people in place to do the things you don't really want to do and taking a little bit less of the split, but doing whatever you want to do with the additional time, whether that is growing the business or going investing your time in other things. Exactly. Right. I mean, uh, how does it, how do you, I mean, it's, I I know the answer to this, but there's a lot of people that don't really know, you know, Roland is an investor in, in many, many, many companies. And I, I, I know you kind of live this now throughout you've kind of made an entire uh, life by doing it, living this, this uh, example right here. Talk a little bit about that on how you use this in your, in your own situations right now. Yeah. So for, for me, it's, it's whatever opportunities come or whatever things I want to get involved with, they're always going to be things that I don't like to do or want to do that need to be done. And um, so in the information business or training business, it might be, uh, coaching. It might be that you have to travel to uh, to do one-on-ones in places with people. It might be that you have to go overseas to buy product and source it. It might be that you have to appear on webinars and um, you know and and have the schedule of having to be online all the time. Uh, it, and and those are just a few examples, right? But um, for all of that stuff in anything that I get involved with, and, and in real estate, it might be that you need to go out and do property inspections uh, or actually pitch to sellers or show houses or stage houses or whatever. In in all of these situations, I identify the things that I really want to do that I know I'm going to have fun with. And then I identify the things that I absolutely don't want to do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find partners who actually enjoy doing those other things. So, so the cool thing about life is, is that there's always somebody that is absolutely excited and thrilled to do the things that you don't want to do. So find those people and make them partners and you'll only be doing things you want to do in your life, which will ultimately make you the happiest person anybody knows. No doubt. Uh, I mean, that's dead on brother. I couldn't have said it any better than that. I mean, that's exactly, it's probably the single biggest lesson that I think people have to learn when they're out there building a business, right? Is they have to, I, I know you've seen this and, and I've seen it as well. Very few people actually start with the end in mind. They don't actually yep. take the time to say, this is the thing that would make me really, really happy. Whatever that thing is in yep. the business and quite frankly, out of the business. It's, hey, like with you, I know it's your family. I know it's traveling. I know it's you know seeing the world and creating these amazing adventures. It does you no good to set up a business which prevents you from doing that, regardless of how how happy the business tasks that you're doing make you. If they keep you from doing these other things that also make you happy, who gives a shit? 
right? I mean, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> exactly. And so, I mean, it's so crazy to me that people uh, are just not taught to think like that. I mean, they just don't take the time to say, this is what it all looks like. How would you encourage somebody to go through that process? I mean, if you if you were sitting down with somebody and say, look, this is, how, this is where you start. Well, you said it, you said it perfectly earlier, right? It's, it's starting with the end in mind. So I think that you start with the end in mind and you say, it might not even be as ideally designed. Like you might have to start out by saying, these are the opportunities that I have in front of me right now. So I think you just have to be intentional and take the time to plan, right? So you say, here, let's inventory the opportunities that are in front of me right now. Here's the six things that I am doing and could be doing. And then you identify which of these things is going to give me the most amount of happiness and the most amount of income, and then balance those out and choose the one that you're going to do. Now that you've chosen the one that you're going to do, you make a list of all of the things that have to happen right. as part of doing that thing. And then you just check off the ones that you really like doing, and you check off the ones that you really don't like doing. And then the ones that you don't like doing, you got to outsource, delegate, contract, or partner on. Totally. Totally. How do you, so in, in, in that, you know, cause there's people that are going to, they're going to hear this and they're like, oh man, there's some stuff in there that there's some hard decisions I got to make. Some of those steps are going to be harder than others. Some of those things are going to be, I've got to, I've got, whether it be hire people or fire people or disconnect, whatever the case may be. How do you, how do you tell people to address those issues? I mean, how do, how do they look at that and actually say, you know, in my world, what I tell them is you can either look at those things as opportunities or you can look at them as obstacles. I would love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, and 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 ev everything is both, right? Everything everything is an obstacle. Each opportunity that you do is an, that you take is an obstacle to your ability to do another opportunity, right? And each obstacle that you are dealing with is an opportunity to find something new and to add new value and accomplish something uh, that you otherwise couldn't accomplish, right? So they're all the same, and I think that the the only thing that I can say. It, and it might not be helpful, is you have to do the hardest ones first. So the easy ones, it's like we talked about at the beginning, right? Is the easy thing is to incorporate the business and get the business license and get the logo and all that stuff. On that list of things, sell the product is number one. Sell the service is number one. On this list of things with opportunities and obstacles, the hardest thing is what you've got to do first. Because if you can get yourself to do that, then everything else is going to be easier, right? Totally. Everything else is going to be exciting. And you don't have this thing looming over you that, you know, oh, I've got to let, you know, I've got to let Joe go. If I do this thing, I've got to let Joe go. Well, you know, you have to let Joe go. So freaking let him go now. And Joe will be better off because he's now going to go and be able to have somebody that appreciates him and values him or doesn't and find his way towards someone who does ultimately. But you know, it. you have to look at your situation and say, these are the things that I have to do to get to the life that I want to have, to design the reality that I want to be living in. And I'm going to take the toughest things first. I'm going to take the things that make it happen the fastest first, which is sell the product, do the service, go out and, and, uh, and get the house, you know, get the contract, get the keys, whatever it is yep. that you need to do. So that's, I don't know if that's helpful, Kenton. Yeah, you might have of course it is. No, no, no. That's 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 why I'm asking. I mean, again, guys, this is this is. I, I get asked all the time because you know, a lot of people, and I know you get the same thing. A lot of people turn to me and they kind of project 
when you're sitting on stage or when they see you on webinars or training videos or whatever, they kind of project this thing on us like we got it all figured out and we don't have it all figured out. I mean, we all uh-huh. we all have our fair share of challenges. So I think it's interesting when when people ask me, you know, who who do I turn to? Who do I listen to? Who who you know, if I've got a challenge, who who do I pick up the phone and call? Well, this is the guy right here, right? This is one of the guys that I pick up the phone and call. So I think your perspective is really, really valuable because I want people to hear and, and understand that this is just the way it is, right? If you hear me talk about it, but this is the way successful people, at least the people that that I know you uh, encounter and I encounter, we run around with and network with, this is the way they think. All of our stuff is all messed up all the time too. So if uh-huh. you're listening, right? If you're listening, it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. It is lots of hard decisions all the time. And the cumulative effect of being willing to make those hard decisions is you get to live the amazing life that you want to live. But it is not without continual challenges because there's always somebody, some employees being hired away or, or going and setting up a business to compete with you directly and taking your product list or your customer list, or there's some lawsuit that's being filed or some law that changes that means you can't do what you used to be able to do the way you used to be able to do it or, 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 or it happens all the time. And to me, the way that you stay happy is you just put all that in perspective and you say, listen, all of that is what allows me to live like this. And so, so that's, ideally, that's the inner conversation going on, right? That's that. Yeah. When that moment, that's the, that's the conversation going on in your head. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the thing for me is I actually like, I don't enjoy conflict, but I love to deal with messed up situations because I think they're puzzles and I know that the outcome will ultimately be fine. And so it's just a question of how do I turn the little sides of the Rubik's cube to get to fine, right? I know fine is at the end and it, and it's always at the end. There's no matter what happens, there's no outcome ultimately that is not something you can deal with and turn into something that will work for you. Well, it's um, you know, it's funny because I think I think that's a really, I think it's really interesting when people, like you said, they get behind the curtains and they realize that man, it's just a different set of challenges. The challenges are there; they still exist and they're there every single day. And I, I love hearing what the conversation is in your head. I, I was telling somebody the other day the conversation that's going in my head when when inevitably those things are coming up on a weekly basis, right? These hard things. Right. And I just sit there and I I have I say two things to myself over. I was like, man, I'm grateful that I get the opportunity to solve this puzzle, kind of like what you're talking about, right? And yep. then number two is this is where my competition will quit. This is <laughs> this is exactly where they'll stop because this is when it gets really, really hard. And this yep. is where they're gonna quit and I'm not gonna be defined that way. And that's all that typically is enough for me to work hard to figure out how to solve the problem. But I think that inner conversation I mean, it, it it can either give you all kinds of strength or it can absolutely shut your ass down so quick. And, and that's where most people get shut down right there is they can, yeah. be, they, they just curl up in a ball. And I tell people, you know, you're, you're going to get defined by those decisions one way or the other. You might as well make the decision that allows you to your point, have the amazing life rather than retreat and, you know, go back to waiting tables or taking, you know, working for somebody else, whatever it's going to be. Cause either way, there's no, there's you are, if you're going to go out, you might as well go out swinging, baby. And we both know that. I mean, I know you've had more than your fair share of bumps in the road where you're like, Hey, this, this does not define me. It's part of, it's part of my story, but it is not the story. 
And you know what? It becomes a good story. Absolutely. And my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Each of the super, super hard things that you go through raises the bar of what you know you can get through. So if you it's it's kind of like they they say uh, if something if everything's going wrong and you're like, we're, we're, you know, we'll be able to laugh about this later, then why not just say let's laugh about it now? So I travel all over the place, right, all over the world. I'm 146 countries and, and counting, uh, and lots of crap has gone wrong every single day. As a matter of fact, this morning when I was in Las Vegas flying back to San Diego, they evacuated the airport because alarms were going off. Now, they didn't say it's a group of terrorists who have, who have descended on the airport and uh, are firing on people out in the hallways, or it's somebody at Burger King burn a burger and set off a fire alarm, which is what it actually turned out to be. But... <laughs> Yeah, you don't but get I'm, that kind of information when they're evacuating the airport. You, you don't, you know. And so I'm texting my wife. I'm like, "Well, this is interesting. They're evacuating the airport. It'll be fun to see what's what's going on." You know, and I'm now I'm not mindlessly unprepared because I'm looking and saying, "Okay, here, there's an exit. There's an exit. There's an exit. People are going that direction. If something bad happens, I can get out of that exit and not have to fight a bunch of people as long as nobody's over there." You know, and that's that's just how I I think, right? But so just like you can say that uh, let's laugh about it now, you can say going through any hard situation, um, uh, if, if I've gotten through it, I know now that I can go through that and probably more. And so through your life, you know, I mean, I, 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 my wife had stage four cancer and was told she had 90 days to live. I uh, was in Europe vacationing when my, my then wife, now my ex-wife, uh, called me and said, hey, I don't want to panic you too much, but the FBI just raided our law office. And um, that was that was uh, uh, something that I was supposed to not panic about. And I, I didn't, but obviously I was concerned. And ultimately that led to me having some uh, challenges because I decided that uh, I wanted to fight with the Internal Revenue Service and they won because they own a jail, which I went to. Uh, and, uh, you know, that... Uh, that that's a good lesson is never pick a fight with somebody that owns a jail, you know, because, it, but, but the bottom line is, is, you know, that was my entire life blew up. And, um, and I went and spent five months at a, at a camp. And during that time I got to do something that was actually on my bucket list, which was teach uh, GED English to people. I didn't think I was going to be teaching it to, you know, to people in prison, uh, but, but I got to do it. And, and I got to live in a little cubicle for a little bit of time and realized that all of the other stuff that I had didn't make that big a difference, that I could live in a cinder block cubicle, uh, getting counted, you know, having to stand up five times a day and not having anything, but I think $100 a month that I could spend to, you know, to get anything and being incredibly restricted, total loss of freedom, you know, everything, friends abandoning you, uh, career you know, shot everything. And, um, and I got through that and I didn't know if I could, when it happened, I was asking myself, literally, I'm not sure. I was, do I want to live through this? Right. Do I want to go on enough that, that, uh, you know, that people were concerned, but, but I had to ask that question. Cause I was like, I don't know if I can get through this. And, you know, it turns out I can now, you know, my first day there, I was, uh, I was sitting by myself eating in the commissary and this, uh, this huge African-American guy uh, is staring at me. And I'm like, this is, uh, yeah, I, I read about this. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is, this oh, is not this good. Is, this is, and, uh, the stereotype he, is actually going down. Yeah, and he, yeah, he kept looking over and kept looking over. And then finally, uh, 
uh, he said, uh, he said, are you Christian? And I was like, excuse me, because I thought he was saying, you know, I'm going to kill you. He said, uh, he said, are you a Christian? And I was like, yeah. And he said, uh, he said, well, uh, you should come with me because you're going to need this and this and this. And uh, and we have a thing to help other Christians and, you know, gave me all the stuff that, that I was going to need. And I tell that story because that was scary as hell. And my entire life got blown up. What I thought, the way that I thought the system worked uh, was different than it actually worked. And, um, and it was a really big price to pay for, for some arrogance and, uh, and stubbornness. But ultimately I, I got through it and recreated a life. My wife left me. I ended up finding just an amazing person. I, I did not have any kids before. And my wife, uh, did not want to have kids. I got two of the best kids I could possibly have who I now have had the joy of parenting and, and helping create a life, you know, like my my income is multiples and multiples higher now than it was then my knowledge that i can survive this kind of thing and my wife's uh, same thing with the stage four cancer she had to write a letter to an to a uh, doctor at cedar sinai explaining why she should be chosen to be one of the people that he treats and saves and wow she got through that and got clear and now she's been clear for uh, i think about 10 years so Right. Those things tell us that, God, all this other stuff, it's it's little stuff. And if you're and and that's the other thing, too, is uh, that at any time you might have the FBI raid your office, you might have uh, the doctor tell you you've got 90 days to live. So if you're not living now, Mm -hmm. if you're not at least like I'm not saying spend all your money now, but I'm saying if your whole life is about what is going to happen in the future when someday comes and you've accomplished a b c d e then you might not ever get the opportunity to do that so you've got to have some balance and say i'm going to live some of those things right now today i'm going to think about the possibility that i hope i'm going to be alive when i'm 85 years old and i need to have some money for that so i'm not going to go and blow it all right now but i've got to um, i've got to think about enjoying things right now and, and living some of those crazy dreams that I want to have now, which also will get you out of the job that you don't want to work in and say, life is too short. It's truly too short. You have no idea what's going to happen when you might be in the airport when, you know, they decide to, uh, you know, to come and, and attack it or whatever, all that stuff is a possibility. So why not live your life in a way that you're enjoying it now instead of waiting all that time? I'm sorry for kind of getting off on a tangent, but it all kind of ties back to what we were talking about. Oh, dude, are you kidding me? This is the tangent. I, I mean, this is this is this isn't a tangent for me. This is the the way it really is, and I know you feel the exact same way. I mean, I, it doesn't get any more real than that. At the end of the right. day, what's the point of building something if you don't build something that you can actually enjoy, right? And, and yes, and I, so I then, totally admire that you have done that. Hey, this is Kent, and thanks for listening to the show. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up if you're interested in real estate investing and looking for a way to get started. Go to thetimeisnow.com. Right there on the page, you'll see an opportunity to just log in and get a free copy of my best-selling book. It's a great way to get started, learn a lot about one of our most basic strategies in real estate called wholesaling, reverse wholesaling to be specific, exactly how you can get started right now. Got a whole list of resources in there, step-by-step instructions, everything you need. Again, go check it out at thetimeisnow.com. Going back to the internal conversation, which is kind of what started me there, and so I can tie it all back around, 
the internal conversation in your head can be one of two things. It can be, why is this happening to me? Or why does this always happen to me? Or it can be, all right, this is a challenge. How am I going to move the pieces of this challenge around, of this situation around to get me closer to the place that I want to be? And that is what makes all the difference. That's why you have the things happen to you and you're saying in your head, the other people are going to quit right now. What can I do to get to the next place? You're not saying, why does this happen to me? Or how am I going to get through this, right? You're saying, you're, you're starting with the assumption, I know I can get through this. And the questions are better questions. It's the questions that we ask ourselves ourselves that really define how we deal with situations. I uh, I couldn't have said it better, man. I mean, I, I totally uh, 100% subscribe to it. I, I think about it daily. And I mean, I, I know it's, it's become so natural that it's, it's interesting when, when we press pause, like we're doing right now and actually look at it and say, Oh, this is the way I think in these situations. Cause we don't, we don't really have these conversations because it comes so naturally. We just know we think alike, right? We just find that common yeah. ground, but it's interesting because I, I, what I've definitely yeah. appreciate, and I know you have as well, is that it's not common. It's common in the, in the circles we run in, but for the <laughs> but for the people that are out there listening to this, there's a lot of people that this is completely foreign to actually look at something and have that inner conversation. Okay, I can either be the victor or I can be the victim. Which one? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. But, e- but either way can be true. And that that approach to situations, because again, realizing going into any any business eyes wide open and understanding that getting bigger does not necessarily mean getting better. Uh, doing more volume does not mean all of a sudden all your problems are going to be fixed. Taking a business to yep. scale doesn't all of a sudden mean, oh God, it's just going to start raining money on me. I, many times that can be exactly the opposite. Um, and and so, you know, all those things don't solve problems. They just, in a lot of cases, create more problems and you've got to mentally be prepared to deal with them all. You might as well get trained now, right? Get get your head in the game. <laughs> what really matters. It absolutely creates more, more challenges and bigger challenges. The stakes are a lot bigger, right? But but it's kind of like a video game where you get, uh, I don't know if you, are you a video gamer at all? I'm not. I'm not. Okay. So that's good. You're not wasting as much time as I am. So basically <laughs> uh, these, like these adventure games, you start out and you, uh, you encounter monsters and you've got no armor and then you gradually get more armor, but the monsters get more powerful. So ultimately the challenges in these video games are exactly the same at level 60 as they are at level 1 because you didn't have the level you didn't have the armor at level 60 that <laughs> that would that would right. uh, you weren't facing monsters at level 1 with level 60 armor right and that's kind of how life is i think is that as we you know the the problem of how do i eat today or how do i pay my credit card bill or my mortgage today is how do I, is the same as how do I make my $6 million payroll tomorrow, right? Why? It's, 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 uh, it's, the problems are always as important to you wherever you are throughout the, the uh, cycle. It's just that you do have more resources as you move along to deal with them in terms of your mentality and in terms of other people that you can call on, be it bankers and finance people or friends or whatever. Your, your resources definitely get stronger as you as you make those decisions. But like you said, your friends are like you. So if you're down in that other level, you don't get access to all those amazing resources. So the, the cool thing is 
like the bad news is the problems get bigger and they never go away and probably multiply. The good news is the resources you have and the armor strength that you have to deal with them gets a whole lot better. <laughs> well, I think you just you just touched on something else that's really important as well. If you want to solve those, if you want to get comfortable making those decisions and get comfortable thinking at a different level, you absolutely have to surround yourself with people that are at that level, right? They think differently already. Um, and they kind of bring you up along the way. And, and you know, part of the... I know I've shared this with you, but part of the entire reason I moved to San Diego was to get around you and others that I was, that we were, that we were networking with and we were doing stuff together, but there was an opportunity for me to get out here to San Diego and just get in that circle where it's like, man, I just take this so seriously that I just don't want to think small anymore. And my environment is keeping me, I, I just felt like I was thinking too small. And so I think that's a huge lesson to, to people out there. You are a product of the people you surround yourself with. Yeah, absolutely. No, no doubt you are the average of the five people you, get you spend the most time. A lot more comfortable making, you know, million dollar decisions when you're hanging around people that are making hundred million dollar decisions. All right. And you'll be like, exactly. oh yeah, yeah. You know what? Maybe, maybe my decision isn't that big a deal. It seems big from my perspective, but looking, you know, by comparison, it's nowhere near. And so I think that's a huge, huge lesson. Cause a lot of times people try to try to you know, they go off and they're fighting for a million dollar dream, but they're doing nothing but hanging around a bunch of broke ass people. And it's just, it doesn't work. Yeah. And that's one of those hard decisions you have to make. And it sounds, it sounds cold, but it's really not is, is that you can't spend your time around folks that can't elevate you. And, um, and it, you can still, you can still reach out to those people. You can still, stay in touch with them, but you've got to have people that are your main input of information that are where you want to be. Totally. So let's switch gears here for a second. I want to, I want to talk, I got a couple more t- questions I want to ask you here and then we'll start wrapping it up. But I, I, outside looking in, right? One of the things I admire the most, especially when it comes to business is you have this unique ability to come in and uh, you have your hands in a lot of different businesses, right? And so one, I want you to talk a little bit about that, but then equally, how you get your hands into these businesses for next to nothing, but but you have this, people are just more than willing to say, hey, Roland, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be in this business and the value that you bring to it. I mean, it, I just admire it so much on how many people, how many businesses you've been able to line up over the years where people are willing to do that. So talk about that for a minute, the businesses you're in and how, and how, what's your approach to making that happen? Sure. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I'll, I'll have to get you to help me understand it as well because I'm not sure I completely do. But I'll tell you my philosophy and what I do, and and we'll see if that gets us to where we want to go with with an answer. So, as, as, in terms of businesses, everything from uh, from door to door sales, remodeling to direct mail provision of paralegal services to uh, real estate and uh, and development and flipping to, um, <laughs> to, uh, bath bombs and pet products and, uh, digital marketing training and everything else is survival. Anything you can think of it, It's, it's shockingly, uh, broad. Sounds, like, sounds like I don't know what the hell I want to do, which is probably the accurate answer. But, um, but the way that I get involved is my philosophy is, I really am passionate about business. I'm passionate about solutions to problems and I'm passionate about helping people. And so I, I give relentlessly of 
myself and my advice, uh, but I also value myself and my time and my advice. So I don't do it for an unlimited amount of time for free. So I will always be happy to talk to someone about a challenge they're having or make a connection for them to someone that can benefit their business. And, um, and I've added tremendous values throughout my life to as many people as I possibly can uh, by doing that. Now, there are a lot of people that I know that do that, some really good friends of mine that do that, that don't make any money and never have figured out, even though they're way more well-connected than you, Kent, or I will ever be, um, they, they haven't been able to turn it into money. And I think, I think here's why, which, which may be the answer to the question, is so in, in all the situations that I have an interest in right now, uh, the ones that I have not had to pay money for to, to have ownership in, they started by meeting someone and uh, in, in some sort of situation that wasn't one in which I was going and saying, I'd really like for you to give me some of your business and I'd like to pay you no money for it. It was meeting them socially or through some other business kind of relationship and then getting to know them because I like I like people. I like to get to know them, taking the time to get to know them, and then talking about what's going on with them and their business, and then providing connections and advice that ultimately proved to be helpful enough so that they were like, gosh, it, uh, if I got that out of you know just this kind of cursory interaction that we've got, I, I think I could get a whole lot more if you actually were incentivized to spend more time and really get to get involved in this and get to know things. And, and if that invitation doesn't come and yet somebody keeps coming back to me, eventually I say, you know, listen, I'm always happy to help you, but I, I really can't continue to do that uh, unless we do something a little bit differently because I, I can't put the time in to know the answers to the questions that you need at the depth that you need. And I can't devote the time to get that information because of the other commitments I've got. And my current commitments always get priority over everything else. So what what usually happens there is either people say, totally understand, and then they go on their way, or they say, well, actually, I'd really love to have you involved in the business, and what, what does that look like? And then we talk about it, right? So what the challenge that, and I'm hoping this will help people that are like smart, good, have some some skill that they can help other businesses with, but uh, but they haven't been able to capitalize that or turn that in, monetize that, to turn it into money or equity. Uh, I think that the difference in that approach versus the approach that I see some some of my friends making that haven't been able to monetize it is that they are straight. You you know, uh, Mary meet meet Joe, Joe meet Mary. You guys do things together. You should be able to do great. And then, the, and then either they do or don't expect to receive some compensation for it. It's really hard for people to pay the person that's in the middle just for introductions and stuff. So I've never asked for money for doing that unless I was adding value. Now, what you can do, though, if you have a good network and you can connect people, is you can add value so that you can actually be a part of whatever thing they're doing. And you can show that by managing it or bringing even more people to the table or customers or resources or whatever, then that's, that's how you become indispensable. So it's the difference between, I think, giving advice and, and being perceived as 
and indispensable value that people really want to have involved in the business. Does that make sense? Makes a hundred percent sense. I mean, because because you are you know part of our ownership group, um, and I can tell you on being on the opposite side of that table, there's a huge difference, right? From from my perspective, what I've seen and what I witnessed is exactly what you just laid out. Given a ton of value, not just from making a connection, because that's never really been it for, in our relationship. It's always your wisdom, your experience, uh, your breadth of knowledge on, on so many different issues. You know, being able to a lot of times, especially in my business, um, as I know other entrepreneurs experience the same thing, you know, not being able to see the forest for the trees, having another set of eyes come in it that, that is really good and, and just sees the simplicity in the solution versus what most entrepreneurs do. They, they make the solution very complex because they're so close to it. Um, it's really nice. It's refreshing to have somebody that's a strategic partner that comes in and says, do this, do this, do this, man. This is, this is as easy as it, as it can be and, and does that without their handout. That really meant something to me, right? And, and I want, I knew I wanted to be a part on the, of our business. On the other, on the other side of it, it's kind of the no bullshit rule also is that it's, you know, the, the advice is not only good and sound, but it's hardcore. It's raw. It's just the truth. It may not always be the easiest pill to swallow, but it is what it is. And it's coming from a place where there's a lot of experience and a lot of, uh, again, wisdom behind it. A lot of years that say, man, I know what the hell I'm talking about. So it comes highly respected. There's people out there that, that are more than willing to give you advice or they're more than willing to make an introduction. But quite frankly, they're just full of shit. They talk about stuff that they don't really know what the <laughs> hell they're talking about. And that's Amen. why it comes off very disingenuous. I mean, it just gets yeah. to the point you're like, I, I just got this no bullshit rule in my business now. And, and I, you know, I kind of appreciate it. We're, it's cool. But, but at the end of the day, I just don't have time for it. And so, um, that's, that, that's what I think is, is, is a huge part of it. I mean, if you just come at somebody and you are as genuine as you are and you're, and you're giving the kind of information like what you're talking about and you're really, you know, you're not trying to blow sunshine up your, up somebody's ass and you're not trying to give them advice that is not rel- relative and it's not important to their business. If you're just being very, you know, genuine and telling them what they need to hear right now, I just happen to believe, and I've just witnessed it more times than not, people are just typically blown away by that uh, in the right context. Yeah. And they're just like, man, I, I, what, how can we, how can we figure out how to do something? Law of reciprocity just kicks in, at least with the, it right, does. at least with the right people, it kicks in, right? The wrong people will take that information and they'll take and run and they'll go probably go do something with it and you'll never hear about it. But the right people are going to turn around and say, man, that really meant something to me. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And you know, the cool thing about the, the people that, that don't uh, reciprocate is that they will say good things about you and that will help you in the general brand elevation part of the world. Right. So they will be like, Oh yeah. You know, if, if it, it, it's amazing, it, it will ultimately come back to benefit you even for the people that don't appreciate it monetarily or that it's not right for at that time. And also very frequently you'll do that and somebody will go along their way and get immense value out of what you did. And then you'll meet them again at some time in the future on some other deal. And they'll be like, I remember when you told me that before. And I, this time I'd really like to have you involved in it. So it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I think it's a common ground. I mean, I, I've definitely, I, I was doing it and not realizing how much, you know, we were, we were kind of, uh, mirroring each other until we became business partners. But it's, it's my whole philosophy was always, I just don't have time for any bullshit. So I just tell people, I'm, I'm an open book. I'll tell anybody th- anything they want to know. I'll give you, I'll <laughs> connect the dots, you know, and if it, if it works out, it works out, but I'm never going to give anybody an excuse where they can't say that I didn't try to help them. And in exactly. the end, I mean, now I look up and our business is where it is and we have a lot of 
opportunities that come our way. And there's no doubt that it's because of some of the, you know, what we're talking about right here. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's really, it's really fun. Last question. What's the, you know, world traveler here, 147 countries. Give me, give me the, uh, if you had to put one or two at the top of the list, where, what should be on everybody's bucket list? You know, I, I do it. Uh, I, I can't pick one because, because you just can't, because there's too many awesome places in the world. But I will say that uh, for different purposes, different places are pretty amazing. I, I think that the Maldives and the Seychelles are ridiculously amazing for beautiful tropical kinds of places. I think that Paris uh, is insanely romantic. I think that uh, for like spiritual and historic uh, Petra and um, Jordan and the Great Pyramids in Egypt uh, and Angkor Wat in uh, Cambodia and Machu Picchu uh, in Peru are, are just crazy. Just general amazing how big nature is. Uh, Tierra del Fuego and Fin del Mundo down in southern Argentina. Uh, crazy. But there, there are just so many places. But those are, those are some of my top, top, top places that uh, I, I would go to again and again and never get tired of going to. All right. So I uh, – and I know I already said it was going to be the last question, but I'm going to ask one more here. Um, <laughs> Because I know you're a big wine guy, and I, I used to pride myself on being a big wine guy, and then I started hanging out with you, and I realized that how small a fish I really am. Um, <laughs> if you had to, if you had to, if you could only choose one bottle of wine, I'm gonna make you do it. What's the one bottle of wine you're like, man? I just can't live it. I mean, this is just my all-time favorite. It's my go-to. I just know it's always good. You know, it's whatever. Just give me one. Where somebody, and I don't get. It doesn't matter the price tag. Just give me. You know, I just want to know what one bottle of wine. Top of the list. Okay, for <laughs> just one. <laughs> uh, um, nobody, is, nobody's going to hold your feet to the fire. I mean, you, this is just your Roland Fraser can't miss pick. That is evil. Um, oh God, that's just so daggone hard. I, I will give you my one, and then I'm going to give you a couple immensely just sliver close seconds how about that perfect okay? perfect so if i could only pick one that is consistently amazing i would pick schaefer hillside select which i had the pleasure of having a bottle of night before last and comparing it to uh insignia which is another great one that just by joseph phelps but uh schaefer hillside select and then just right on the heels of it checkerboard mm -hmm. and uh lacoya uh especially Veter and Hal, and then like tied with those bond harlan vinehill ranch those those are all those are all way up there for me i what, am actually pretty yours? proud that i know most of those wines yeah yeah you're you're all over i just just find a new one that is because uh, some of those are kind of pricey um and this i guess this is pricey too but like not not in context um there's one called um macaulay and Macaulay makes a Cabernet Franc uh, that was a 98 to 100 from Parker and um, just amazing uh, wine. The Cabernet also uh, is what I had the other night that was just fantastic. And that's a new one to me. And it's I, it's either 125 or 175. Uh, but compared to some of those that I was talking about that sell in the hundreds and hundreds of dollars, it, it's, uh, it, it's a kick-ass wine. 
we're going to drink a bottle of it. You know where I found it is I, I, I'm not, as you know, a wine club guy at all. But when we were in Napa, uh, when Ryan Dyson uh, and I were, and Emily and uh, my wife Dawn and I were in Napa the last time, we uh, drunkenly stumbled into the V Wine Cellars, which is in Yeltville. And the guy that runs it, we went in there and we bought like a bottle of Scarecrow, which is which mm-hmm. I just got allocation on. That's another one that's just, it, it, I mean, yep. great. great wine. But uh, I went in there to buy a bottle of Scarecrow and um, we ended up buying a couple other bottles. And this guy, because they were all, private selection in the back 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 hidden away uh he the guy that owns it his name is scott came out and was like he's like you guys are crazy and i we should do this and let's have a drink and so we ended up getting to know him and he has a wine club um two one is called the elite and one is called the cult cab and man they send stuff like he he's found a lot of these wines that i'm mentioning before anybody knew about them and even before parker had rated them and um just has a he knows everybody there so he can get anything and he sends three bottles uh four times a year and darned if uh if all like i just got that shipment and had the macaulay in it it had one called uh aril a-r-i-l that was also good not as good as the the macaulay and then it had a bottle of realm the bard which is realm realm is another one of my favorites so i mean that guy like that club has been really cool for finding new, not insanely expensive yet wines, but they will be once everybody discovers them. What's the name of the club? The Cult Cab? It's it's either the Cult Cabernet or the uh, Elite. I, I do the Cult Cabernet because I, I really like the Cabernets, and it's uh, it's V Wine Cellars in Yountville. And we just we you know we hadn't been up there in a long time. We got to go back. So yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And then uh, I'll introduce you to him, and then you'll you'll love me and hate me forever. Yeah. That would be, um, you know, thousands of dollars every year. Here we go. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I re- this has been great. This has been fun. I really appreciate you doing this. I know. Uh, yeah, thank you. People are going to get a ton of value out of it. It's been, I mean, it's been awesome to uh, to do this. So I really appreciate you doing it. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to, to talk with you. Any any opportunity or chance to do that, even if we have to record it, I'm I'm in. <laughs> What's the easiest way to find you? The the easiest way is on my Facebook page. It's uh it's just facebook.com forward slash and then the name of the page is Roland Fraser page, because Roland Fraser was already taken by me on my private profile. And I don't I only friend people on my private profile that I have met in person and would have over to my house. So um that's the place to kind of get to know me as Roland Fraser Page. Perfect. Cool, man. Well, again, thank you. And guys, that's that's our show for today. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Do us all a favor. Go and uh, show us some love on iTunes. Go and rate this episode. Give us your feedback and uh, get subscribed. With that, if you want any more information, make sure you go to thetimeisnow.com or kentclothier.com, and we will have all the show notes as well as uh, all the links that we mentioned in the episode will all be right there for you. Until we meet again, peace. Take care. You've reached the end of this episode, but there's plenty more for you over at thetimeisnow.com where you can sign up for our free mailing list to help you make the next big shift in your career. As always, we'll see you next time on the Time Is Now podcast, where your business is personal. 